0: Welcome to Pass It On with CWR Talent. I'm Corinne Winteroussé, and this is my podcast. At CWR Talent, we've dedicated this podcast to sharing the experiences of some of the most successful executives in my network. And it's not always the ones at the top. We'll speak to leaders of all styles and hear advice on how to build a rewarding and meaningful career with resilience, tenacity, and balance. For those of you who know me, I've had the pleasure to work with some of the most gifted and bright business leaders over the last 30 years in the hospitality and entertainment industries. I've guided hundreds of candidates in moves of their professional lives. My specialty? Discover talent and pass it on. That's it. In simpler terms, I'm a headhunter with a twist. I hope to shine a light on the beauty of coaching and mentoring to gain emotional intelligence and balance in your life and how you can benefit from what we've got to share. Join me and my very special guests for in-depth Q&A interviews covering our industry's challenges and the current market for talent. This is CWR, and let's pass it on. There is nowhere that our communication style is on full view more than during an interview or for a job or for media. What is our intent? What is our goal? To get it right, we need to be brutally honest about our communication style and pay attention to the way that what you're saying is being received. It's quite telling. When we speak impulsively or without preparation, or we try to wing it, our intent is often overshadowed by the damage that can be done by speaking without forethought. But when we speak with purpose, we are able to consciously express ourselves which elevates the flow and understanding of our conversations and inspires everyone to share from a more genuine place. With the right expert guidance and knowledge of how to respond more mindfully and with the right intent, anyone can transform the way they're perceived for an important interview. It pays to prepare. You can cultivate a calm, empathic, and kind conversation style that leaves everyone feeling that something good has been accomplished. This involves learning what personal and company cultural influences will determine what communication styles you should adopt for in the meeting you're about to have with the interviewer who's going to meet you for the first time, most likely by Zoom, Teams, or Skype, or one of these things. It's the best way to guarantee that your style doesn't diminish the impact of your message. Don't let your style get in the way. Why do we speak impulsively? What are the triggers? I'm confronted with this issue every day, as within my talent discovery and development assignments. It's all about the interview and what you can uncover in the discussion to unveil the talent and potential in the candidate. Naturally, people get nervous before interviews. It's a finite period of time, usually quite short an hour or under, during which you can make your impression and get across your main strengths by showing and not telling. So a lot can be riding on that first exchange in the final interview as well. I always feel it's imperative for people to be themselves. If you feel the style of the house isn't really you, you'll be forever putting a sort of veneer on all your transactions and interactions, and it isn't authentic. It will bother you over time. Learn early how to think about your message and what it is you ultimately want to achieve and narrow your focus. Ask a professional expatriate general manager who moves around the world throughout her whole career. She must adapt her communication style to more than just a company culture, but to a local, national, or regional culture as well. To be positively received Her style of communication in Amsterdam will be quite different to what's required in Riyadh. It's important to be yourself while learning to adapt the way you present information to a particular person. For example, if you're interviewing for a role as an F&B director in a five-star hotel, surely you'll need to demonstrate what type of F&B service you've been delivering as a leader and what type of leader you tend to be. But more importantly, if you haven't sharpened your financial skills as to cost controlling, inventory control, even being in a five-star luxury hotel environment with more generous budgets, a full presentation on Teams, the love, and kumbaya won't help you if you're presenting to the GM and the finance director who need a turnaround expert. Know your audience. In our Aspiring Leader Integration Coaching Sessions, We can highlight to you what type of presentation style will be needed, and when, and for whom. It's a real skill to master. When you join a new company, we have a variety of tools that can map the whole team and its reporting lines for their personal preferred style of receiving information, so that everyone starts out wasting less time making mistakes and not being efficient overall. People can only absorb information in the form they like receiving it. Let's just say there are four main types of personalities to keep it simple. There's a million tools and a million descriptions, but let's just keep this simple. There's blue, green, yellow, and red. Every one of these types has a degree of each in their core personalities, but generally there may be two or more prominent types working in your case. Blues are deeply analytical, organized, respond to data, simple statements of fact best, spreadsheets, bullet points, brief. Greens tend to get excited totally by people-oriented experiences, storyboards, visuals, sustainability, vision, and mission. Yellows are generally attracted by the positive, motivational, inspirational, both visual and audio, kumbaya central. Reds are natural leaders, can disconnect the personal from the professional, bigger picture strategists. Generally, CEOs have significant red in their personality and have a good degree of blue on which to base their decisions. Data driven, very little kumbaya. It's nice to know where your style fits on the wheel, but frankly, in order to have a successful, insightful, impactful interview, you must focus on the person you will be interviewing for, not yourself. Imagine you have a first interview with the HR director, then the GM. Then the VP F&B of the brand. Then someone from corporate FB leadership. Each one of these people will have a different perception of these roles' goals, even though they are all equally aware of the whole. Would you present the identical CV to everybody? Here's who I've worked for. Here's who I've worked for. It's not the job of the person interviewing you to try to figure out what is not on the CV. It is the great candidate who prepares and who has a one-page talk sheet for each potential type of interviewer. For the HR director, this is usually your first port of call to be considered to be moved forward through the process. If you think this is an important as a step because they do not make the ultimate decision, you are sadly mistaken. This individual is a gatekeeper to help the following colleagues waste less of their time. The HR director is fully familiar with all the stakeholders' wish list for this candidate and keeps it in mind during the interview. But the questions will most likely be about background, very basically company cultures they've worked in, values, leadership style, the data and verification of the skills and objectives required, the confirmation of the package requirements and employer notice periods is secondary. If your HR director has used a skilled talent discovery consultant to provide a shortlist, they'll be able to get the essential technical skills and all the data points that will have been pre-communicated to them with an overview of the candidate's career goals by the consultant. If your interview goes afoul at this point, it's not good and unlikely you will go to a second one. It's normal, as this is the function the company wants the HR director to provide evaluation, advisory, time-saving for the senior executives in the hiring process. Present to this person what interests them most, your general career path, what you've learned from each role, company culture, your leadership style according to you, teams may say differently, so be honest, your values, what your objectives are within this role and what you hope to gain from it, also what you intend to deliver to it. Don't bring spreadsheets and numbers, not yet. If your second interview is with the GM, this needs to be tighter than before. You need a talk sheet that demonstrates the above values, but in a much more succinct and briefer style. You will need to highlight two or three main successes or initiatives that you've taken within your last two roles, at least. Most recent is most relevant. While ancient experience is interesting only if it pertains directly to one of the people in front of you. Most important, The GM will already have had a full debrief on your background, the HR's comments, the opinions on suitability, most likely the talent consultant's full debrief for this person will also most likely know the candidate better than anyone else inside the client company and will have spoken verbally to referees with permission as well. You need a combination of the following Here's who I am, nationality, languages, family status, my main objective for this interview. Why I'm interested in working for your company, this property, or you. Why I believe I've got the right experience to deliver and what I can learn from being here. Here's why. Short declarative sentences, don't faff. Be honest if this is a step, a means to an end. People respect this. If you say, I want to be the GM of the hotel, The GM interviewing you will really respect the fact that you have a career goal. Give a brief overview summary of the types of budgets in F&B you've been managing, size of teams, turnover, profit delivery objectives, and their delivery. This can be a macro view, so they can hear if you have the sufficient financial awareness to lead the function, or if you're more of an operator who requires support in finance. I suggest it be the former. Finally, ask the GM at least three pertinent, very intelligent questions about what his objectives are for the role, for the candidate in the role, and for five years from now. If you show no interest in what is important to the GM or the brand, no one is impressed with that attitude. I can tell you how many candidates think it's up to the employer to chase them and do all the research and work about them. It is not. I can guarantee you. With the GM, keep it to the point. There's no discussion about package or money at these interviews, and the HR director will be well aware of your requirement, and the role will only pay so much as budgets are determined almost a year earlier in some cases, and so are not changed for individual candidates in, very, in a very significant way, just because. If there's a meeting of the minds, you will have only been presented if both sides could have a fit, And have a win one point that's critical to us in the talent game don't window shop if you're not really ready for a change in your career or you're changing your company don't lead a client along by going to multiple interviews and then say no thanks by this point our client will have invested significant time and most likely money in considering you seriously as a potential asset to their brand Think carefully before you accept to be included on a short list and to be considered. If you can tell yourself that if offered, I'd jump on it, then you should rightfully engage in the process and allow your talent consultant to swing you through the process and nudge it along when it bumps into the other daily priorities of company. Because let's face it, recruitment is a very important function for them, but it's not the only thing they're doing during their day gig. I hope you've liked this little bit of a discussion. I'd now like to invite in my guest, Nick O'Donnell, to come in and join us and tell us what impresses and what doesn't and get a little bit deeper into some of these points. Nick?
1: Hi, Corrine. Uh Yeah, thanks, thanks. Yeah, this is a very important topic, obviously. Um, interviewing is a big, big moment in, uh, in people's lives and careers. And um, I like to help people relax a little bit about the concept. I mean, basically, the situation is, They've got a problem and they want to find out if you're the solution um, mm-hmm. in the in the process you're going to meet different people you're going to meet people from the HR team the ops team the CEO exactly as you say and and I, I do agree with you that people need to have notes ready talk sheets or cheat sheets or whatever crib sheets whatever they want to call them that highlight areas that are going to be more or less relevant to each different person that they meet and um, what I've done is break things down into four simple groups. People, practices, uh, guests, and profit. Everything that you're, you're going to encounter will fall into one of those things. The people side is they want to know what's your view about the team, what's your view about recruitment, development, progress. What do you know about um, engaging people? What do you know about investing in people? What do you know about what do you do when they've done something wrong? How confident are you around disciplinary processes? They need to know that on that side, you're a safe pair of hands. Uh, practices is all to do with keeping people out of court and keeping people out of jail, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so every, every country in the world has uh, uh, an equivalent of what we have in the UK, an environmental health office that are going to come around and try and find that you're not rotating your food or your beer or whatever properly, that you're not cleaning the place correctly, that you're not recruiting people correctly, that you're not checking paperwork, you know, so everything to do with the practices around maintaining standards and around following the rules and regulations, they need to be confident that you're all over that as well. Um, the guests are clearly a vital part of every business. So they want to know that they matter to you and you need to be ready to answer specific questions about specific times when you specifically did something for the benefit of specific guests. There's no, room for vague i love guests guests number one guest is always right that doesn't cut it they need to when they ask you how do you know how how can you tell me how uh, motivated you are about dealing with guests you need to have examples ready and they need to be recent and they need to be good Um, absolutely yeah and then the profit side of things of course it all comes down to making money as much as we want to build perfect teams etc uh, and a, an amazing team that makes no money uh, doesn't, um, doesn't make it to the race, you know. So it, it's, uh, there's balance to be had right across those four things. I, I wanted to pick up on the aspect that you introduced around the colours, you know, the red, yellow, green, and blue, and the characteristics of these people. Um, it's, it's vitally important, and the first person that you're likely to meet in the process is someone who knows what team already exists in the business and what kind of person do they need to make that team complete. So there's mm-hmm. no point pretending to be blue because everyone thinks, you know, the blue guy or the blue girl or the they're the ones, you know, they they, they know about the detail, they know about this. There, there may already be someone on the team that's great at detail. They may be looking for a green or a yellow. They may be looking for a red. You don't know what they're looking for unless you ask them. And they're unlikely to tell you, well, we're looking for a red person because that isn't the full picture of what they need. All you can do is be yourself. And if you are the right fit, you'll make it to the next stage. If you're not, you won't. And it shouldn't be too upsetting that you didn't get through because they wanted a blue and you're a green. Because if you did get through by pretending to be blue, they're, they will be expecting you to be blue for the entirety of your time at that business, and you're not going to enjoy that. <laughs> you know that's exactly the point that i raised when i said please be yourself and be yeah. authentic way the
0: way you deliver information or how people like to absorb it is not your personality changing that's just changing your administrative style if you're going to mm. present spreadsheets if you're going to present more about storylines it's all about presentation style for
1: the person i feel that you're re- that's receiving it but you're not changing who you are it's
0: no absolutely yeah
1: you, you gotta you gotta be natural and you gotta be yourself And you can throw in little indicators to make it easy for them to recognize what kind of person you are, you know? Because some people are much more comfortable around the spreadsheets and the detail and spotting the impact and patterns and trends through sales and analysis of data and all the rest of it. Other people find it easier to draw connections between how great they are at engaging the team and what impact that has on things like uh, stock Mm -hmm. wastage, for example. Uh, in my experience, I always find highly engaged teams took more care when they were making drinks and less of the liquid ended up on the ceiling or the floor and all of it ended up in the glass, you know? So <laughs> these these are the little little bits and pieces. Highly engaged teams don't use two napkins when they only need one. They don't use three pieces of fruit when they only need one. They care about what's going on and you need people in the team that are able to build that spirit of togetherness and then you also need someone who will say, wow, this business is buying 50% fewer lines than they used to, and they're using 30% fewer napkins. And the, the, the person that did that can say, yeah, that's because I've built an engaged team and they are making the business more efficient by taking greater care and attention in the things that they do, you know? So um, when you're meeting the HR people, they want to know what you know about uh, their function, about the recruitment, the development, the disciplinary procedures, et cetera. They also could be the ones that are looking at to see what color are you, because they could well be the people Correct. that are completing the team. Um, you may be sitting down with someone from ops, you know, the ops director or the managing director. Likewise, that person wants to know what you know. They want to know what's important to you. They want to know how do you get the results that they need. And they also want to know that you're going to keep them out of court. Um, <laughs> if, if you make it through to sit down with a CEO or, or, or someone very, very senior, um, they'll, they, they'll be interested to know what's your vision for the job. They want to know, do you see the connections between great recruitment, great retention, great training, and great results? They want to know, do you see the connections between engagement and impacts on sales and profit? Um, they want to know, are you the kind of person that sees how everything is connected and that the different functions and colors and personality types need to work together as a team to hit all of the bases? Uh, I think you ask what would be three great questions to ask at the end of the interview and um, what I've found I mean, I've used this because someone used it on me when I was interviewing them. I thought, well, those are three fantastic questions. I'm going to steal <laughs> them, <laughs> you know. And, steal uh, away. Steal away and do what works, I always say. So the three questions, um, yeah. what's the problem that you're trying to fix? And uh, that forces them to, sometimes uh, people who are carrying out interviews don't know what the problem is they're trying to fix. You know, they've got a vacancy. They're not sure exactly what's the shape of the problem and what's the shape of the perfect solution so it's good to test them to find out if they can articulate exactly what it is they're trying to solve and next uh, great question is what's the time scale that you're hoping to solve this problem completely uh so is this something that they think can be fixed in a month, 6 months, a year, 2 years or what
0: mhm very important
1: uh, which again gives you a, a very solid idea are they thinking someone's messed up, they've been dismissed, they get need someone in to fix it, it might take six months. Or we're an expanding company, no one's messed up, we're growing the team and we've got a three-year plan. Or you, know, you need to find out what is the timescale, what's the shape of the problem they're trying to fix, how long do they think it's going to take to fix it completely? And the third question, what does the future have in store for the person who fixes this for you? And that gives them an opportunity to talk about progress opportunities and it gives you another opportunity to ask about progress opportunities if that's what's important to you and that puts a little bit of pressure on the person carrying out the interview to talk about your own progress if that's what's important to you what are the opportunities for a person to get in at the level of whatever this job is solve the problem that they're trying to fix fix it permanently then what and That is a very, very uh, taking the initiative and showing what you're thinking of. It gives them an idea of how you tick and what's important to you. So those, I find, three very effective questions to wrap an interview up. They will probably lead to a a few more questions being asked by the interviewer and uh, another additional opportunity for you to show exactly who you are and what you're about. And if you're the right fit, if you're the right shape, If you're the same shape as the problem, then you got a very good chance of making it to the next stage.
0: Thanks, Nick, for that. That's absolutely perfect. The last three questions. You just need to have three really good, intelligent questions to ask the person so that they can see how you tick. And that's exactly what it's about. Thanks so much, Nick, for for jumping in on that. I needed that little extra perspective.
1: Wonderful, Corrine. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to get involved again. Thanks a million.
0: Well, that's all the time we have today, ladies and jelly beans. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Pass It On with CWR Talent. If you'd like to reach out to our guests, please let us know and we'll pass it on. Please give us a follow and a like, and please, please share this with your networks across your social media platforms to reach more aspiring leaders. We appreciate your support. And also, we like to thank our sponsor, Nancy Sharp, from the Cider House Studio, who provides our artwork for our pages. Thank you, Nancy. Nancy makes art that makes people happy. I know it does me. Thank you. See you soon.